Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Oh, it's my privilege again to be, um, to be able to come this morning and open God's word for you. I count this as a privilege and um, I hold it loosely. God ever wanted me not to do this, that would be okay with me. But he's given me this opportunity, so I'm going to grab it. And um, I believe God's got a message, not just for mums, but for everyone this morning. They say, a mother's job is never done. I looked up the definition of mother in the dictionary. It's right between moth-eaten and motion. And the definition of a mother, a female parent. Well, I found that wholly inadequate. (laughs) I've got a fuller, much more accurate definition than that dumb dictionary. (laughs) A mother, the wearer of many hats, a nurturer, a food source, mum, I'm hungry, fruit, eat fruit. A healer, come, let me put a band-aid on there, it'll be all right, kiss it better. A referee, okay, who hit first. <laughs> a developer, a coach, a fashion advisor. No, you cannot wear your wetsuit and slippers to school. An attitude shaper, a disciplinarian, a planner, a protector, an advocate. Mothers are sacrifices. I mean, they carry us, they give birth to us, they feed us, they change us, they hold the tissues up to our snotty noses, they wipe our tears, they hold our hands, they clean up our vomit. We've all got the vomit stories, haven't we, of our kids where they've spewed in weird places and you've got to clean it up at three o'clock in the morning? Sacrifices. They're givers. They give up their bodies for us. They give up sleep for us. I mean, a mum can be sound asleep, hear her child cry, and she can be out of bed and buy that child before the dad's even made one more snore. Wow. Mums often give up their goals for us. They'll give up their last piece of food for us. And they put... Our needs before theirs so, so, so many times. Often our first impression of God's unconditional care and love comes from our mums. But mums teach us all of the important things of life. They teach us to value a job well done. If you're going to kill each other, do it outside. Just finished cleaning. They teach us logic. Because I said so, that's why. They teach us foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. (laughs) They teach us gratitude. There are starving children in Africa who would love the food that's there on your plate. (laughs) They teach us stamina. You'll sit there until all those beans are gone. They teach us about the weather. This room of yours looks as if a tornado went through it. They teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. 
They teach us about behaviour modification. Stop acting like your father. <laughs> they teach us about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. They teach us about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to freeze that way. They teach us how to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. They teach us about timekeeping. Late is rude. They teach us about wisdom. When you get to my age, you'll understand. And lastly, they teach us about justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. Just a female parent indeed. What nonsense. Every single mum here today, or maybe your mum's not with you anymore, every single mum is way more than just a female parent. Way more. And we honour our mums today. Yeah, we do. But some days, let's be honest, being a mum, some days it's beyond brilliant. And other days, it's just downright depressing. How many mums out there really can really identify? In the space of five minutes, you can go from, oh, I'm doing all right, that was a really good piece of parenting, oh, that was good, to, oh my God, what is wrong with these children? I am a terrible mother. I'm not doing my job properly. In five minutes. You go backwards and forwards between that. I mean, I love my boys. I love my two boys, but they are so different. I don't know how they came out at the same parents. I really don't. Simeon, any boundary you put in front of you, he will stick his toe over just to see what's going to happen. <laughs> Reuben, you just have to look at him hard when he was little and he, ooh. <laughs> right? Simeon, so affectionate. He would like, I love, he's just so affectionate. He would, I'd be sitting on the couch and he'd just come up behind me, give me a kiss on the cheek and go, love you, mum, for no reason. And then just walk, yeah, oh, he's going to be a good husband to someone, eh? <laughs> um, but that same child fried two video players by posting things through it. <laughs> that same child spread powder all over his room one afternoon. That same child made a flamethrower in year 10 maths. Rubes, when he started school, when he started school, he screamed and cried every day for like a week. Because when I took him to school, the, the teachers, the program, the very first thing on their program every day was folk dancing out on the tennis court. And I, we would get through the gate and Reuben would see them setting up for folk dancing and he would start screaming his head off, I don't want to do that! Folk dancing. And I would have to leave him bawling his eyes out, and I'd be walking home going, I'm such a bad mother, so bad. I left him screaming and crying, that poor new entrant teacher. Such a bad mum. But at the same time, Reuben has got a wicked sense of humour, and I love that about him. You know, um, Tico and Simeon and Reuben were out one day at the mall, and uh, Sim was in EB Games, you know, boys' games. They game, I must game, I must game at all times. <coughs> um, and Tico said to him, Simeon, we're going. If you don't come now, you can walk home. So mucked around, mucked around, mucked around. So um, Tico and Reuben walked out to the car, got in the car. Tico started to drive away. Simeon came out of the mall, saw the car driving off. And Reuben was sitting beside him in the passenger seat. And he turned around to Tico and he just clapped to him. 
Great parenting, Dad. I do actually right at this moment want to make a public apology to Reuben. A few weeks ago I was dogging him at a quip here about that he does sculpture for year 13, whatever, at NCEA. And um, yeah, sculpture. And um, I did dog him a little bit wondering what on earth value there is in sculpture. But um, he came to me the next day and he goes, Mum, I hear you were dogging me yesterday about my sculpture. I just want you to know. I just got an excellence in sculpture. So, are you happy now? Thank you. I know, like, when you're in the roller coaster of motherhood, um, the ups and downs, the ins and outs, sometimes there's a gap between what we see and what we know should be. Sometimes it's what we see in our kids and what we know should be. Sometimes it's what we see in ourselves and what we know should be. But there's a gap. I know in my soul that this should be, but I don't see it right now. There's a gap. And and I mean, the the quickest example I can think of is like, you know, you, you think you've taught your kids how to be kind to one another. And then the next day you walk into their bedroom and find one of them sitting on the other one's head. And you're like, get off him. What did I teach you about kindness yesterday? There's a gap, right? Have you ever felt it? I know I have. Sometimes in my mothering, sometimes in other places, I felt the gap. And in the gap, we can be really hard on ourselves. In the gap, we can easily lose perspective. In the gap, we forget God is still working. It still has a plan. In the gap, we can lose heart that things will ever change or get better. It can be hard to have faith in the gap. But today I want to encourage you, mums, everyone, I want to encourage you to have faith in the gap. Now, um, I know there are people out there who are not mothers. And I don't want you to like elbow the mother next to you and go, listen up, this is for you, all right? And go, not applicable to me, I'll just wake me up when she's finished. Um, no, I want you all to stay with me because God has given me a message today. Like I, I went to God, I said, God, are you sure you don't want me to preach on Proverbs 31? Classic, classic Mother's Day scripture. No. You want me to preach on Moses' mum? She's amazing. No. You want me to preach on Hannah? Credible woman of faith. No. This is what God gave me. So let's get into the word. First Kings uh, 17 and 18 we're going to be in. This is not a story about a mum, but it is a prophetic picture of what we can do when we're in the gap. Okay? I want to take you back, just set the story up for you a little bit. So we're back in the northern kingdom. There's King David, King Solomon, and then at that point the kingdom split because there was infighting amongst the Solomon's sons. And there was the northern kingdom, sorry, there was the southern kingdom of Judah, and the kings for the next period of time, some were good, some were bad. And then there was the northern kingdom of Israel, all bad kings, not a, not a good one amongst them, none worse than King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. And the story begins with a promise, 1 Kings 17, 1, hopefully it'll come up on the screen. Now, Elijah, who was from Tishbe and Gilead, told King Ahab, as surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years 
until I give the word. King Ahab, Queen Jezebel, they had abandoned God. They were worshipping the Baals. And this was God's judgment on the whole nation because of their evil. Around three years later, in 1 Kings 18.1, God speaks to Elijah again and says, Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send rain. And so Elijah does that. He invites Ahab and 400 of the Baal prophets up onto Mount Carmel. And you know the story, right? They have two altars, two bulls, and uh, the Baal prophets, they, <coughs> they scream and yell and pray and cut themselves and stuff all day to get their gods to bring fire down and burn up their altar. Nothing happens all day. Elijah comes to his altar, gets them to pour tons of water over it, so it's absolutely soaking with a moat of water around the bottom, prays, and God goes, and burns the whole show up. So he has this great victory up on top of Mount Carmel. Great victory for God. God proving that he was who he said he was. And right after the victory, we get to this scene that we're going to focus on today. Verse 41 of 1 Kings 18 says this, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Here, that word in Hebrew is a really interesting word. It's an onomatopoeic word. Ooh, my English teacher stuff's coming out now. Onomatopoeia. Hands up, anyone can tell me what onomatopoeia is in written language. Anyone? Anyone at all? Yes, English teacher. Oh, math teacher. Who knows English? It's, yes, is words that sound like what they sound like. Boom, crash. Tinkle, tinkle. That sort of thing, okay? That's onomatopoeia. And in Hebrew, the word is hum. Hum. It's an onomatopoeic word. And Elijah hears this in the spirit. Hum. I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. God had already told him and promised it. Quick time out. When have you heard from God? What has God told you? What has he promised you? Maybe about your children. Maybe your children are not walking with God, but you have a promise that one day they will. Maybe you're, you have a promise about other things in your life. Maybe you're believing for a marriage partner. Maybe you've got family or a spouse that is yet to come to faith. It could be anything that you want change in, that you want to see difference, that you want to see a breakthrough in. And God has promised it, something you know in your soul, but you don't see it yet. God has promised rain. And they look up in the sky. Nothing. Nothing. Blue sky, nothing. And it's like, screeching, halt, there's a gap between what Elijah has been told and what he sees. Now, it's like what I like to call the nothing stage. The nothing stage, invisible. What, we, what do we do in the nothing stage? What do we do in that gap? I want to tell you, and what we're going to learn from Elijah is that we activate our faith. 
in that gap. Faith in the gap. If you want a title for the sermon, if you're writing notes, that's it. Faith in the gap. Turn to your neighbor and say, have faith in the gap. The truth is, when you start out in faith, it always seems like nothing. Is that true? When you start out, it always seems like nothing. It's easy to feel like it, whatever that it is, or you, don't matter. Because what you see contradicts what you've heard. Elijah had faith in the gap. And while he was still in this nothing phase, he activates his faith in four ways. And I love this. It's so simple. And if we can follow his lead, we're going to activate our faith in our gaps also. Verse 42, the first part. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. So he goes back up the mountain. He separates himself. That's the first thing. He separates himself. And mums, I know this is so hard. It's hard to find time when you've got kids all around you wanting this, that, and the other thing. It's hard to find time to actually separate yourself and spend time with God. My favorite place used to be the toilet. Because I could go in there, lock the door, and no one could get in. And if someone banged on the door, say, go away. I'm busy. Elijah separates himself. The second thing he does is this, the second part of verse 42. He climbed up to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. He separated himself. He humbles himself. It's that posture that intrigues me. That he's down on the ground. I'm not going to get down because I may not be able to get back up again. Um, but he gets, <laughs> thank you. Oh. Um, but he, he gets down on the ground and he's got his face between his knees. And it's the posture of humility, isn't it? It's the posture of saying, I'm going to make sure I'm in the right place and I'm in the right posture so that when I pray, God will hear. I'm not the one God, as he's got his head between his knees, I'm not the one God who's going to make it rain. You are. And as a mum, I'm not the one who's actually going to parent these kids the best. You are. So we keep ourselves in that humble position. So he separated himself, he humbled himself. Verse 43, then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. For what? He was expectant. He was expectant. He separated himself. He humbled himself. He was expectant. He was still in the nothing stage. There was nothing in the sky that gave him any indication that any rain was coming. But he tells his servant, go and look out to the sea. And in Elijah's head, I'm sure he's going like, God has promised it, so it's going to happen. The rain is coming. It'll be right on time. God has never not come through on what he's promised, ever. He has never let us down. We sang it. He is faithful. He is faithful. So he separated himself. He humbled himself. He was expectant. The last part of verse 43. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. He was persistent. He was persistent. Go and look for the sea. Nothing. 
Elijah's like, head between his knees. I know what I've heard. I know what I've heard. I'm staying here till I, till I see a sign. I need some help from someone this morning, someone limber, someone who can run. Ben, where are you, Ben? Ben, thank you. Ben. <clears throat> Have you got what you need for this? This is, yep, awesome. Okay, so Ben, um, I've heard from God. He's told me it's going to rain. Um, but I need you to go over to the other side of the mountain up over there, and I need you to look out to see and tell me what you see. Go. What do you see? Nothing. But God's promised nothing. Go again. What do you see? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. You sure? Yeah. Nothing? Pretty sure. Go again. <laughs> do you know what I'm doing this? He's looking. Do you know why I'm doing this? Because I want you to feel what it's like to be in nothing. The uncomfortableness, the frustration of nothing. The time sometimes you have to wait. Nothing. Uh, what do you see? <laughs> Go again. Oh. I'm, I'm persisting, man. I'm not. I, I've separated myself. I've humbled myself. I'm expected. I'm persistent. I'm going to keep going till I see it. You're going to keep going. Yeah, what do you <sighs> Man. Go again. Okay, we're going to pretend, just for time's sake, we pretend this is number seven, right? Because <sighs> Ben's starting to get an asthma attack. Um, here it comes. This is the seventh time he goes and he looks. What'd you see? Something there. What? What's there? Something about, it's about the size of my fist. So there's something there? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I was in nothing, but now there's something. Now something. Thanks, Ben. You're awesome. <laughs> I was sitting in nothing, now there's something, it's not much, it's not much, but it's better than nothing, it's not much, because now we're in the not much phase, we've moved out of nothing, but now we're in the not much, there's, there's a little something there, it's not much, do you know what I love about this? Is seven in the Bible is the number of completion. When God rested on the seventh day after creation, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. And this number, I believe, is a, a, a prophetic word for all of us that when we're in the nothing and we look again and there's nothing and we look again and there's nothing and we look again and there's nothing, God will bring the something when it's time when what he is doing is complete and not before and not before 
Elijah knew that God's promise of rain was rock solid. So he stood firm on nothing, knowing that not much was on the way. And that little cloud looked so insignificant, but it held the promise of a drought-breaking rain. Do you know what? We are not good at celebrating the small stuff. We want to wait until it's significant, and then we'll celebrate. No. Celebrate the small stuff. Celebrate the not much. Celebrate the glimmer of hope that you have in your situation that God is moving. Don't wait until it looks significant. Start when it's not much. Change your language. Mums, change your language. This is significant. When I'm changing a nappy, it's significant. When I'm vacuuming, it's significant. When I'm teaching my child not to swear, it's significant. Toilet talk, I call it, to my students at school. Leave that toilet talk out of here. It's significant. We've got to change our language around this stuff, change our conversations. The last um, part of 44a, I read it before, finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. It's like Elijah, he had his not much and that was enough for him to shout and go, that's all I need. I've seen enough. I know God is going to come through. I don't need lots. I just need a little bit. And I'm going to celebrate that. I love that. And the last part of the story is hilarious. So funny. Where did I get up to? Rain will stop you. 46. And soon the sky was black with clouds. From this to that. Soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel in his chariot so he didn't get stuck in the mud. Right? Then, this is what is cool, then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. You getting that picture in your head? Here's Ahab and his chariot. Right? Go horsey, go horsey. I don't know what you say to horses. What do you say to horses? Go horse. Right? And... And Elijah picks up his cloak between his legs and he takes off like, and just breezes straight past him. And do you know what I reckon this says to us? That when we celebrate the not much, God will give us special, supernatural strength to keep going until the rain comes. Yeah? A while ago, I shared a sermon and I shared a, a story about um, Simeon when he was little. And there was a day, and I'm going to share it again because I just am. <coughs> um, he was about three or four. And to be fair, 
He was driving me bonkers. Like I was like at the end of my tether. And I went to my favorite place, which is the, thank you. Went to the toilet, shut the door. He's banging on the door, mom, mom, mommy, go away. Can't deal with you right now, go away. And in that toilet, hey, God can meet you anywhere. I prayed, because I had nothing. I had nothing. I'd reached the eat, I'd nothing. And I prayed, I said, God, can you please just give me a glimpse? Just, just, just a glimpse of what this kid's gonna be like when he's grown up. Just, 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 just something, I don't need everything, I just need something. I was praying. God gave me a, a picture. I, I didn't recognize it then, but now I do. He showed me what Simeon is like now. His face, his height, and a sense of his character. And in that vision that God showed me, I moved from nothing to not much. It wasn't much, but it was enough. And I came out of that door, I opened it, and Simeon, you know, just ran straight towards me and cling on. And I looked down at his face and I said, Sonny, Jesus just saved your soul. <laughs> now, let's go, I've got, I've got that extra energy now. Let's go outside and like do something dirty because I know that's what he wanted to do. Let's go and play in the dirt or something, I don't know. But do you know, that's, it's a simple story, but I, I think that's what God wants to do. If you feel like you're in the gap, if you feel like you got nothing, activate your faith, separate yourself, humble yourself. What was the third one? Expect it, be expectant, be persistent. And in that space, when God shows you the not much, celebrate the not much and God will give you the energy you need to keep going when all everything inside you just wants to go and lie down for three years until they're grown up so here's where it's at I'm going to wrap this up today there's another gap this one we don't get involved in we are here in our sin. And God is over there. And He wants relationship with us and He wants to walk with us and He wants to be part of our lives. But there's a gap. And here's the beautiful thing. What did Jesus do? He came and He stood and he stretched out his arms. Not to not much, but to everything. I want to invite everyone to close your eyes. I don't even pretend to know the hearts of everyone here today. But I do know 
that I wouldn't be doing what God has asked me to do without putting this invitation out there. If you know that you are separated from God, Jesus has filled the gap. He paid the price so that you could have everything with God. If that's you this morning, if, if you know that you want to make that trip across, would you just put your hand up so I can see it? If that's you this morning, who would like to do that? Thank you, saw that, thank you. Is there anyone else? Maybe you walked across that gap one time, but you went back across walked away God's not done with you yet he wants you back maybe he's been chasing you maybe you know is there anyone else that would like to separate that gap with God today cool I've seen one hand so we're going to pray together I just invite everybody to pray and follow me Father God, we know that there has been a gap between you and us. But we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to fill that gap, to pay the price. And today, I receive you, Jesus, as my gap filler. My life is now yours. I want to follow you. I want to live like you. I want you to walk with me. And I want my life to be transformed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. That little decision, not much. We're going to celebrate the beginning for someone out there. Fantastic. So, for all you mums in the house, are you okay if I just talk to you a little bit from the heart right now? Oh, I have been, but we're going to go deeper. You ready? Brace yourselves. I want to say to you this morning, God chose you. Do you know that? God chose you to be the mother of your children. He is not expecting perfection from you. I know sometimes we expect that from ourselves. I don't know why we do that, because God doesn't expect that. See, He gave you your children knowing who you were, knowing all the good stuff about you and knowing all your weaknesses and all your issues. He still gave you your children. It's a gift. It's a privilege. And if he chose you to parent them, then he will sustain you as you do. Our job is just to stay activated in the gaps, right? And I want to tell you, what you do might not look like much. You might think, oh, it's just insignificant. I can't see the wood for the trees in this. But I want you to really change your language this week and ongoing. This is significant what I'm doing. might not look like much, but it's significant because I am building into these kids for the future of the world. 
mama, don't lose heart in the gap. Don't lose heart in the gap. Stand on the promises. God is faithful. And if, I love Pastor Bruce last week, how he said that he has a, a prophetic biblical promise for every single one of his children and every single one of his grandchildren, and he prays there every day. Maybe you need to go on a bit of a search and ask God to give you something, a promise for your children, no matter how old they are, little, big, that you can stand on and you can believe for. And sometimes you're going to feel in the gap like you don't matter like God can't see you. But I want to tell you, He can. He locates you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Every word He's spoken will come to pass. Every word. And you can take that to the bank. Let it be done. And when the rain comes, Mama, when the rain comes, It'll be right on time. It'll be right on time. Because even when it looks like nothing's happening, don't worry. God's still on schedule. Might look late to you, but God's right on schedule. Dry season will be over. The rain will come. If you're a mama in the house today and you want to declare your intention to activate your faith in the gap. Stand. And for everyone else, mothers, dads, other people. Oh, I didn't mean that to sound derogatory. We love you all. I know that there are people out there who are stuck in a gap somewhere right now. Could be in any area of your life, anything. And I believe just as God has spoken to the mums, I believe he's speaking to you. You you might've had a great beginning and you can kind of see the end, but, but the middle sucks. But what happens in the middle is gonna define you. It's going to separate those who have faith and those who just have a fantasy. So if this morning you want to activate your faith in your gap, stand. I've had many times in my life where I've had nothing. I've been in nothing. And I just want to tell you, God has never left me there. There's always been a journey. Sometimes go again and go again and go again and go again and go again. Sometimes we need people around us to go and look for us. Elijah, you know, he never looked up. He kept his head down between his knees because I think if he looked up, he thought to himself, if I look up, I'm going to lose faith. So I'm going to send a friend. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.